the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the dagger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Monday the 28th, and you are tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. You can text us, 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. Good morning, fellas. Morning. Morning. How are we doing on this uh, first Monday after the first football Friday across the state of West Virginia? Almost feels like we have more questions than answers after the first couple of games that are being played, but uh, you know we'll have more to hash out this week. Another exciting panhandle game of the week on the horizon after we put our week one games to bed and both were really, really entertaining. Um, so we have a lot to talk about this week. Already have coaches lined up and ready to break down some of the action and figure out how what went down and why it went down over the weekend. <laughs> well, before we dive uh, deep into the EPAC specific games, EPAC specific games, uh, Park, real quick, let's talk Berkeley Springs football because, of course, they're over on 92.9 WXDC. They went down to face uh, one of their long, long-time Week 1 rivals in Petersburg. How'd that game end up? Well, I, I I hate to sound this way, but I think the less said about that game, the better for it, especially on offense. It was it – was, the offense was rough for Berkeley Springs in that game. I don't know if it's just players getting used to – Wes Eddy single-wing offense or what the issue was, but it was maybe four first downs the entire game for them. It, the offense looked pretty rough. Defense looked very promising. I'll say that, though. Holding Petersburg to 13 points and a half, that's really good job from the defense. I think they just ran out of gas in the second half. They The defense broke apart, and then Petersburg just went on a run in the second half. But offense needs a lot of work. I think that's the biggest takeaway from what I saw this past Friday. Offense needs a lot, a lot of work if they're going to be able to win a game this year. Well, I think you're kind of right there. I think you give them another couple of weeks to figure out the offense, get comfortable with that offense, because that's a lot of moving parts in that kind of a thing, right? I mean, with linemen going different ways, you got guys moving around and um, going in motion and whatnot. So I think you give them a couple of weeks to settle into it. I think you'll see a little bit more production. Uh, of course, I didn't see Berkeley Springs with my own eyes, but just based on what you've, I've talked to you about, uh, I think you'll start to see a little bit more production in them. But uh, I think it is promising, the defense-wise. I mean, like we were talking about during our broadcast and you were sending us updates, I mean, holding them to 13 points at the half, I think you can count that as somewhat of a victory from Friday. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest takeaway for positives out of that game for them was being able to piece that defense together for a first half. They stopped Petersburg on fourth down three times in the in the first half, which was really promising. And then just, again, I think just things just fell apart in the second half. The defense wasn't able to hold Petersburg from what they did. The big runs that gave shades the last year came up a couple times. And it was just, I, I just think the defense gave out just because the offense wasn't producing any sort of positive yardage or anything really going on. And Petersburg just kept getting really good field position because, I mean, there was maybe two yards in a cloud of dust, one yard in a cloud of dust every time Berkeley Springs would run the ball. 
and then they'd punt the ball away and Petersburg would be around the 50-yard line so they had a short field to go against. So there's there's some things to really work on with that team and if they could patch it up, things would get a little bit better. And we had said that there are winnable games on the horizon for Berkeley Springs. It's going to be a lean start to the year because you've got Greencastle mm-hmm. and then you've got an East Fairmont team that has playoff aspirations for double a but oak glenn's beatable i know philip barber looked pretty good but grafton is down this year so i mean when your offense is rejuvenated in a couple of weeks that becomes more competitive liberty struggled against a not very good elkins team we don't quite know how good frankfurt is even though they're a top 10 double a team and then braxton county didn't look great you know and and it's just you know time to kind of start to put the start of the season in perspective and say even though Berkeley Springs is going to struggle through their first couple of games out the gate, it's about progression offensively. You know, you said you struggled four or five tight ends in this first game. Well, let's make it 10 mm-hmm. against Greencastle, you know, and let's put some points on the board and then slowly build this thing up and get a good culture going into the, the, the second half of the season. And, and like you said, a lot of positives defensively. When your offense can't move the ball and your defense can't stay off the field, eventually they're just going right. to collapse. So when you get a half of very good defensive play and your offense is just anemic early on, you know, there are some good positives to take away from the defense. And I mean, it's high school football. At the end of the day, once you figure out blocking assignments, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to run the football and get some first downs. Yeah, I'm optimistic for uh, for the time being about Berkeley Springs. I think uh, you give them a couple of weeks, they'll start to sift some things out. But again, you could tune into those games over on 92.9 to be XDC. Here they got this week, Park. They're up against Greencastle, first home game of the season. Same start time as last week, 6.45 pregame, 7 p.m. kickoff. Again, that's over on 92.9 WXDC. And over here, well, of course, you got your Panhandle Game of the Week each week. And last week, or well, this past Friday, boy, was it a good one. And at the start, Luke, it seemed like Jefferson might be running away with things, but then Spring Mills started to turn things around and made it pretty close there at the end. Yeah, this was a really, really exciting game uh, to call. It was 14 nothing at the half Jefferson, like you said. Jefferson struggled to put together long drives, but they have that big playability, which we said on the broadcast is a sign of a good team. This team struggled to run the ball. They had less than 50 yards rushing to the Cougars, but that's something that's not going to continue throughout the rest of the season. So when they start to move the ball efficiently and get four or five yards of carry, they're going to be very, very difficult to beat. You had the big playability, a little swing pass to Tayshawn Roper for a 65-yard touchdown, then a beautiful ball from Herrick in the back of the end zone to Keyshawn Robinson, who just got the feet down. And I think that both quarterbacks in this game that had issues throwing the ball last year, Anderson and Herrick, were vindicated by some mm-hmm. throws because the next score, which was the first touchdown of the game for Spring Mills, was a Keon Mills reception of 30 yards that it was one of those plays in one-on-one coverage where Anderson put the ball where only his receiver could make a play, and Mills did. And, you know, that's a throw that Anderson would have struggled to make last year. And he looked really, really good. Spring Mills put together some sustained drives. It's just they fell behind the chains late in drives and, you know, picked up some costly penalties. Um, Then defensively, we knew that they were going to be good. But again, they, they kept the Jefferson team that we expected to dominate playing smash mouth football and running the ball a lot and kept them from running the ball and doing what they wanted to do offensively and put Jefferson in a difficult spot where they were able to rise to the occasion. But, you know, it, it, it leads to the question, and we've put out our, our power rankings, our, our much maligned power rankings <laughs> yeah. on Twitter that we can get into here in a second. Um, the takeaways from this game are tough. I don't know if Spring Mills is that good. If Jefferson maybe has taken a step back from last year, I think that's harsh when you look at the talent and the way that they were able to put points on the board. Um, You know, if you were to tell me that Jefferson's going to be able to to sustain running the football, which I expect them to, then I expect them to be, you know, a top 10 team in AAA, which they are, according to the Metro News, uh, the media poll. 
Um, but Spring Mills, despite being one of the two EPAC teams that lost, there are a lot of positives from that game, even though it's one they wish they had. Um, and both teams did some things that made me think that they were improved from last year. But both teams also showed that there's some avenues in which they need to get better. Well, I'll say about Jefferson, that edge rush is crazy <laughs> with Goins. And then uh, you got what Jacobs sometimes coming off the edge. I mean, you got Harrich sometimes coming off the edge, too. Uh, they were shutting down everything that Max Anderson and that Spring Mills offense in the first half was trying to do. But then, well, and. Speaking of Max Anderson, at media day, he didn't look like, I mean, of course, he was just in sweats and whatever, right? Didn't look like he put on that much size. But then when we were walking uh, up into the press box, we both, I think, at the same time saw him and both said, whoa, he looks huge. He I mean, like he, Cam Newton. Yeah, he put on so much muscle mass, especially in his legs, and that came in to help him a lot during the game. And there was a few times where he was taken down, almost taken down in the backfield. And if it wasn't for that extra strength, and he'd gotten taken down easily. But he looked like a, especially in the second half towards the end of the game, he looked like a legit quarterback. He looked like a college-style quarterback. He looked comfortable in the pocket. His pocket presence was incredible towards the end of the game, keeping him out of uh, a lot of crazy down-and-distance sack situations, even though, like you brought up during the broadcast, Luke, a couple of times he might have been scrambling to the wrong side of the receivers, and then mm -hmm. that kind of put him in worse situations. But it was really just two bad throws from Max that ended up uh, being the difference in this game. And I think I think this is more of a, you look at this matchup as more of a step up for Spring Mills, in my opinion, than it is anything for Jefferson because they just kind of got through it and got the win. But Spring Mills looked significantly better, especially after a bad first half than I thought they would have. Yeah, I, I think takeaways for me, like I said, if Jefferson's able to sustain running the football, they're going to be a lot better. If Spring Mills can get just a little bit more contribution from a number two receiver behind Keon Mills, then they're going to be substantially better because Xavier Anderson had a chance to high point a ball in the end zone that could have been a touchdown that went through his fingertips. Hope Boque had trouble getting off the line of scrimmage, but in late developing plays where Anderson had time, he was breaking open. And that's something that Anderson, I'm sure, will address or be able to add to the game as the season goes on. The question now for Spring Mills is, you know, it's going to be tough at a five, as a 5-5 five and five team to get into the postseason, and that's what their goal is going to be. They should win their next two games, with all due respect to South High, against Albert Galton and, and South Hagerstown. Uh, and then you've got a winnable game against North. Washington becomes interesting if we get time to talk about that. And then you've got Frankfurt after that. So then you look at University or Hedgesville as win and get in game, games late in the season. And you're talking about Spring Mills as a playoff team. So Cardinal fans, uh, there are years where you have a ton of hype and expectations going into week one. You lose week one. And you think, well, now what do we do? This team is still yeah. able to compete for a playoff spot. Small adjustments that need to be made, but many major adjustments were made in the offseason, like Anderson, who looked very good uh, on Friday. And the fact they took Jefferson to the limit, I think, speaks a lot of how Spring Mills has grown up in this offseason, which is what we were looking for for this team. I think they're now into that conversation of they got a legitimate shot to make the playoffs. Maybe last year was more of maybe they're a step away from what they want to be, but if you, they're able to hang with Jefferson that close, that's telling me they're, they're ready to step up, which is what we've been looking for for this team. Going down the season, it's it's going to be tough for them down the stretch. The second half is much harder than the first half. We'll have to see how Frankfurt looks towards the tail end of the season. That could be an important game. The university game, of course, we know they have the struggles against them last year. Can they right those wrongs and get a big win over the Hawks later on in the year? And then you mentioned Hedgesville is potentially win and get in. That could be that could be the scenario where we have the team that wins this game gets in, the team that loses gets out. And that was really the – tale of the story for spring mills if they don't lose that game against hedgesville 
probably there's a good chance they're that team in the playoffs and Hedgesville's out last year. So it's those type of games that Spring Mills has to find a way to win. And then they're not able to pull it off against Jefferson. In this case, another close game. If they're able to find those and be on the right side of those games later on in the year, I think they're going to be all right. Well, with all I said about Spring Mills, I think we can all agree on the fact that Jefferson still looks good. They look like a playoff team, and they are still just as fast as they were last year, and they get that first week one win over Spring Mills, 21-19 to on your Panhandle News Network Sports Game of the Week, and Luke was able to catch up with Coach Hunter after the game. Coach, I want to start by asking you about your defense. A couple of big plays made down the stretch there. Uh, a big sack on second down for Goins to kind of stop momentum in a drive, and then Melab had that massive tackle to force fourth down. He ran the guy down from behind, and it seemed like uh, snaps after that, every time you guys wanted to get pressure, you did. So obviously your defense winning that game for you. Uh, yeah, you know, um, usually sometimes your defense is hit of your offense, and that's what it is right now for us. Our defense is a little bit hit of our offense. Um, you know, replacing some guys on the offensive line this year. Just got to get them up to speed a little bit more. Um, some new guys in the receiving core, making sure they understand where they're supposed to be a little bit more and understand the plays a little bit more. But other than that, you know, I thought overall wasn't bad. Everything we saw there was correctable. Um, you know, the mistakes that we made are correctable. I think a couple times we lost, we lost contain. That, that 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 got us that got us in bad situations where, where Max was able to break the pocket and get upfield on us, um, which we talked to him about that all week long. You got to keep him got to keep him bottled up. Um, other than that, you know, they came out hard in the second half and hit us hard in the second half. We were able to get back on that on that kickoff return. Um, you know, we had a bad punt snap that, that hurt us. Um, but you know, just mistakes. We can't make those kind of mistakes. We're going to continue to do what we did last year and even better than last year. We just got to get these mistakes cleaned up um, and play more sound more sound football. Well, Coach, you mentioned offensively to me that you had seven or eight guys that you trusted to catch the football. I think you had eight different pass catchers tonight. So, you know, in the passing game, Herrick goes for over 100 yards. You know, like you said, the rushing game, you know, just it needs to work on it. It'll come in the coming weeks. But you have to be happy with how a junior quarterback was able to distribute the ball to so many different pass catchers. You know, yeah, I mean, the, you know, some things, some things that are good for Dylan, some things that you get mad at Dylan about. Like the good things about Dylan is he always keeps his eyes down the field, always keeps his eyes down the field. But in that situation, there's also 10 to 15 yards of green where he can take off and run. Um, but he keeps his eyes down the field. He makes passes while moving out the pocket and creating space. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a thin line where we want him to make the decision to go ahead and run or hang in there just a little bit longer and find that person that's squeezing open. Um, I thought he did a great job tonight of managing that. Um, you know, us getting on him a little bit about certain things, you know, like we got on everybody else about certain things. But I thought, you know, junior year, first game, you know, you can't, you can't, you get mad about something, you still got away with a win. So we squeaked away with a win. Um, we'll take it. Uh, we'll get better for the short week. This, we gotta, we'll try to get better for the short week next week against Sarando. Again, that's victorious Jefferson head football coach Craig Hunter after their 21-19 uh, win over Spring Mills. Real quick to wrap things up about that Panhandle game of the week. Uh, he's talked about mistakes there. I really don't remember too many mistakes by uh, the Cougars. I mean, maybe some tough coverage here and there. Really, the one touchdown pass from Anderson, uh, it was just a good route ran. I mean, it was covered well. But I can't really think of too many mistakes that they made long-term down the, during the game. 
Yeah, I mean, when somebody's as talented as Max Anderson, it's going to be hard to contain him on every yeah. single play. I mean, he had some some fantastic scrambles for first downs, but I thought defensively, I don't really have that many takeaways from Jefferson other mm-hmm. than a couple of times you could say they were bullied at the point of attack, but Spring Mills is huge. But Jefferson, you know, they don't necessarily match up toe-to-toe in terms of size, but they've just got athleticism and speed all over the field. Me Live and Nicer Jacobs looked really good. Their secondary, which lost some pieces last year, looked really, really good as well. You know, Quentin Goins was able to get into it, and he probably would have had two or three sacks in that game if not for the fact that Max Anderson was so difficult to tackle. So, you know, Jefferson defensively, like I said, defensively they look like a top-10 AAA team. In the passing game, they look like a top-10 AAA team. If the running capabilities of this team reach full stride, all of a sudden you're looking at a top-8 or 7 or 6 AAA team, and I expect them to be able to move the football on the ground. So, you know, there are a lot of things I like that I saw from Jefferson. And Jefferson is a team, too, that we've noticed usually starts off a little bit slower and then heats up towards the end of the season. Getting the win over Spring Mills, although it be it close, I think was really important to set the tone, being the only game in the EPAC that is this early in the season. You have that win under your belt. You go into you go into conference play once again later on in the year. But again, Jefferson's got a gauntlet coming up for him. They got to find a way to win big time games. Sharando, they lost to last year. They got to go on the road for that game as well. They got to travel down to Virginia. Spring Valley, who lost pretty badly to Huntington, I'm sure has to find some ways to get some victories to make their way back to the playoffs. And then you're right back in the EPAC play. Martinsburg on the 22nd. You got Hedgesville, which we might have questions about Hedgesville now. Hmm. Musselman's towards the end of October. There's there's a lot of questions, I think, later on in the year. But I think Jefferson winning that week one game against Spring Mills, I think that sets them up pretty good for this three-game gauntlet they have coming up with Sharando, Sprig Valley, and Martinsburg. And if they can find a way to go 2-1 and one out of all those games or potentially 3-0 and oh, if they have an amazing showing, it, that, that could set the tone. But I think wins over Sharando, and if you beat Spring Valley at home, you get those two games. I think Jefferson's in a very comfortable position to host a playoff game this year. Well, football is back across the state of West Virginia, and I know y'all got some thoughts about it out there. So text us, 304-263-4321. What are your week one thoughts? I mean, we got the big Martinsburg international win. You had the big Hedgesville loss in week one. Uh, We'll get to talk about all that after the break on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Text us 304-263-4321. Tweet us at EP Sports Network. Let us know what you think about week one around the state of West Virginia. High school football is back in action. And well, Martinsburg took a little different route than the rest of the state this year and ended up going down to Ohio to Ironton at historic Tanks Memorial Stadium to take on Clarkson North out of Canada. And well, I think last week it was kind of a coin flip what, who we thought was going to win this game because we saw what Clarkson had on paper. You know, you see some highlights here and there, and they looked like a D1 football oh, yeah. team. And then, of course, you know what Martinsburg is, and they look like a D1 football team. So, well, it all goes on uh, the field, and it was all right here on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network, uh, with Chris Lawrence. Great call by Chris Lawrence and the guys uh, on Saturday. But Martinsburg, I think, shocks a lot of high school football around the nation with a 35 to seven trouncing of Clarkson North. Yeah. And I'll be completely honest. I, I, I was one of the people that thought that this was a game that could get away from Martinsburg because of the talent on that sideline. And I'm sure a lot of people are tuning into the show right now and trying to figure out 
what exactly happened because the way we built this Clarkson team up, and we mm-hmm. didn't say anything factually incorrect, was that they've got an entire offensive line of Division One commits, and they've got skill position. Every person on that that started on in that game, offense and defense, is either going to play Division One college football or play college football in Canada, which is like Division Two. The only thing I can think of that made Martinsburg dominate that game, besides the fact that the Bulldogs are just a really darn good football team. Mm-hmm is that these are raw prospects more than they are complete. You know, these guys that are going to Division One and the smallest offensive lineman you heard Chris say on the broadcast was their center at 6'3 and 290 pounds. They're all huge. Was that they go to college redshirt and then develop into players and they're not finished products right now like Rashad Reed, like Xerxes Yancey who had an unbelievable play in the game, like Cashes Gideon and Murphy Clement. So Martinsburg did a lot of things. And, you know, this is why Britt Sherman wants to play a team like Clarkson North. Get that exposure against this kind of talent and what that can do to his team's recruitment. And I hope it works out because there are some players like the guys I just mentioned that dominated in that game. And it was fun to hear Chris call it. Yeah, that was a fantastic performance for Martinsburg. And again, I said it on the uh, post game on Saturday. I think this sets the tone. It's going to be Huntington, Hurricane, Cabell Midland. You're, what's your next punch? Because I feel like now Martinsburg, with that win, sets himself up as the top team in AAA right now. And I, you can look and say, well, Huntington had a dominant win against Spring Valley. We don't know what Spring Valley is going to be like this year. They could be down and Jefferson could go in and beat them. And this could be a Spring Valley team that misses the playoffs. This is a Clarkson North team that is the premier talent in American football in the state of Canada. And Martinsburg not only wins that game, but you could say even whoops up on Clarkson North, which is very, very impressive. I think Xerxes Yancey is the biggest winner of the week. He had an absolute wonderful performance. And I think that performance is going to get him a lot of offers and looks coming up for this upcoming season. So, again, big win for Martinsburg. I got a big test coming up against Stonebridge this week. If they win that game, guys, I think there might be an undefeated season coming their way. And here is Chris Lawrence catching up with Coach Walker after the win. Uh, you guys did some good things offensively, but not a lot of possessions. Is that just kind of the way the game? The game yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean they've got they, they've got a really big team, and they, they they you know they were doing a good job keeping the ball away from us. So, uh, but I was happy that our guys were able to take advantage of some opportunities that they had. All right, thank you. Coach, I didn't get a chance to get over here. Congratulations to you. you. That uh, I know when you came out here, you literally had no idea what to expect. I don't think you would have expected this. No, no I really didn't. Uh, I mean, it, but, and watching the warm-ups are just really big but uh, and really talented, but we're, we're pretty talented too. Uh, but, they, you know, they paint everybody, you know, two platoon, and we're paying a bunch of guys both ways. So our guys just dug down and, and made plays when they needed to. How, how big of a factor was the heat in the first half? Because I think you guys handled it better than they did. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think we handled it very well. <laughs> not as well as I wish we would have. But, uh, you know, it's part of it. So you can work and all that, but still, it's your opening game on a Saturday afternoon is pretty hot. It's, it's pretty demanding of you. Yeah. You, uh, you ended up getting a, a 35-7 to 7 victory here this afternoon to start this season off. And that, that, that's really a big win because that's, that's really a good football team you played there. It, it really is. Um, no, I mean, and, but we, we made a lot of things we can do. We can get a lot better. So we'll go back and reevaluate and, and, and try to, you know, clean up some things. And Because uh, the team we play next week is really good, too. So, yeah. we, we don't have many uh, slouches. So. Talk, talk a little bit about the play of your quarterback, Murphy Clement. Man, he's a, he's a tough gamer, isn't he? He is, and he's got a lot of experience. And, um, I mean, this this really wasn't a big deal. He's been on a lot of big stages. And uh, really hard worker and, and really just, uh, you know, 
just a, a, a game day guy, and, and but works hard, and does everything the right way. You, you were you were content letting him continue to carry the ball out there. That seemed to be you put it all on his shoulders. Well, yeah, I mean he, he's he's one of our best guys, so we, we got to get the hand the ball in the hands of our best guys, and uh, and he's strong and he's a weight room kid, so I knew that you know he's going to press on people and push on people. So if we were able to just move the chains. That's what we were looking to do there at the end. Yeah, and in the second half there, I mean, the chips got down a little bit, and it was it was good to see how they responded. They handled that adversity well. Yeah, they did. I mean, I, there was a point there where I thought we, we could, uh, you know, maybe buckle a little bit, but uh, and we've just been grinding in them all, all month and all summer about just, you know, it's you're going to have to overcome adversity. I mean, life. Life is full of adversity, and you just got to be able to work through it. Yeah. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Your first game back, Coach, you, you, you picked up right where you left off. It's a little warmer this game. A lot warmer. Oh, no, I'm just I'm just so happy to be back with these guys and be back with our fans and maybe I can be back in the community. So it's, 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 I'm, I'm really blessed and uh, excited to be where I'm at right now. Davis, good to see you, buddy. Congratulations. Well, the return of Dave Walker to Martinsburg is a victorious one against Clarkson North of Canada, 35-7. to And, of course, you could have heard it right here. For free. Didn't have to pay the money to watch it on Flow Sports. You can listen to it right here on WPM and WCST. Uh, if you head over to our Twitter page, at EP Sports Network, you can listen back to the highlights uh, from our Panhandle Game of the Week, Jefferson to Spring Mills, and Martinsburg and Clarkson North. Uh, but real quick to wrap things up, we get to about a quick bottom of the hour break. What do you think the uh, conversation was like between uh, Walker and Sherman? Uh, because, of course, I don't want to say that Walker doubted this you know game or you know a bigger schedule like this uh, but he certainly wasn't too up for it and then they go out here and they play as well as they did and they handle this uh, Clarkson North team so I, I would have been curious to hear what that conversation was like on the bus ride back yeah I think there's merits to both sides of the conversation when it comes to how they pick their schedule but I think that coach Sherman was vindicated in this game's result because I really believe that you mentioned Xerxes Yancey, obviously, and Rashad Reed. I mean, the entire offensive line, I, I messaged uh, Joe Bricotta, who is there covering the game, and you can see his video highlights at the Metro News website and on our Twitter. You know, he said that especially the interior of the offensive and defensive line for Martinsburg was dominating, not just winning at the point of attack, but dominating. So those guys are going to get great pub. I, I thought Cassius Gideon and Coy Fagan stole the spotlight at the skill positions. Murphy Clement, who people say, well, he's a Division One player, but he's a safety. Well, he can still be a Division One quarterback. I think he proved that. So uh, that's why you play a team like Clarkson North. If you get a result like that, what that can do for your players' recruiting. Um, so it was exciting. And playing at that stadium looked like it was a ton of fun. Mm -hmm. I know Chris Lawrence had a ton of fun. And it was, I mean, in a weekend that saw – Four of the six EPAC teams win, and we could talk about two others after the break that were really impressive. I mean, nothing's going to get more impressive, I think, this season than dominating a team full of Division One commits the way that Martinsburg did. No, that's going to be tough to top, and that's a really impressive performance. I'm very interested to see how that conversation is going to go between Coach Walker and Coach Sherman about maybe wanting to schedule some of those games. I mean, we've had that debate, and we've talked about it with West Virginia University's schedule for football because they play 11 Power 5 teams in a year. We look at that and say, well, it's maybe too much. We can maybe make that same argument for Martinsburg saying, okay, you're playing Clarkson North, you're playing Stonebridge, you're playing big-time teams out of Maryland and D.C. Is it too much, and that's why it's – taking a shot at your schedule and making you in a position to go travel in the state semifinals or in the state quarterfinals? Is it putting you in that position? But wins like that, 
Maybe you throw in one of those games a year instead of going against three or four of those gauntlet teams that go forth. But then again, you look at Martinsburg, and it's sometimes it's hard to get games like that. We they they're down to eight games this year that because people are, don't want to play them because Martinsburg has just built such a culture and such a winning environment that it's tough for any team in the state to topple them. Games like that kind of, again, like you said, vindicates Britt Sherman's idea of wanting to expand Martinsburg's reach to a national and a regional stage. And, again, I, I think that's a banner program win for Martinsburg as a high school, but also for the entire state of West Virginia putting that state on the map in football. Well, text in your thoughts, 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. We'll step aside for one minute. We'll come back. We'll start to break down the Week 2 EPAC power rankings from the Panhandle News Network and also talk about that big-time Hedgesville loss on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. Text us 304-263-4321. Tweet us at EP Sports Network. If you head over to our Twitter page at EP Sports Network, you can see the week two Panhandle News Network Sports EPAC power rankings, and they go as such at number one, the Martinsburg Bulldogs. Number two, the Muscleman Appleman. Moving up to number three, the Jefferson Cougars uh, moving down to number four, and we'll get into their game here in a minute. The Hedgesville Eagles moving up to number five, the Spring Mills Patriots, and with the biggest drop to number six is the Spring Mills Cardinals after their loss to the number three-ranked, uh, power-ranked Jefferson Cougars. So uh, let's break down real quick these EPAC power rankings because people got some questions on Twitter, that's for sure, uh, and I'll answer one of them. Hey, somebody had to be last, yep. and it just so happened that uh, Spring Mills took – well, uh, a brutal loss against Jefferson. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Martinsburg just beat a team that we didn't expect. Martinsburg just beat an unbelievable team, probably the toughest team that anybody from the state of West Virginia is going to play this year. Uh, and that says a lot as to why they're number one, and I don't think anybody is going to contend that. Again, they haven't lost a conference game since the 2000s. Uh, Musselman at number two came back from behind to beat Hanley. We didn't expect it to be that difficult of a game for Musselman, but it's hard to tell without a state competition. And when we catch up with Coach Thomas, you got to talk about the performance that uh, Eli Fleming had and Isaiah Beard especially. Beard is a burner, and Fleming had some unbelievable touch on passes. They came back and won that game 44-28. to So if that's the level of quarterback play that Musselman's going to get all season long, they're going to be a tough team to beat, and their top 10 AAA team is reflected by the Metro News Power Rankings, along with Jefferson, who we just talked about. Once they establish their high floor of being able to run the football, then you know the, the, the ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan said. So... You know, I, no complaints. I'm sure people would say of Jefferson at three, Hedgesville at four. I'm sure that's going to draw some ire. They did get dominated by Wheeling Park, but our expectations weren't high enough for Wheeling Park, in my opinion. I think that they're a legitimate uh, contender to go to and stay home at Wheeling Island and play for a championship. They're a top five team in AAA, and that Hedgesville loss to me, it sh it said two things. Number one, maybe not necessarily ready offensively. And number two, Hedgesville is not ready to enter the conversation as a top six AAA team, which we thought they had a chance to do coming into this season. They're still a playoff contender, but they're not going to slay a giant like Wheeling Park unless offensive adjustments are made. They were number two for us week one, and even though we might have gotten that one wrong, we can't drop them all the way to last place. I think that's unfair to the talent that's on Hedgesville. Washington at five, they beat. Page County, and I would talk about some of the stats in that game. Ryan went, set a record with five touchdowns. Javon Jones had six catches for 159 yards and three touchdowns. And head coach Terry Ray will be joining for a while uh, here us tomorrow 
um, you know, th- they won and they have a chance to win again against TJ and get off to a great start to their season. And Spring Mills, somebody had to be last. Right. It doesn't mean they're not a playoff team or have the potential to be a playoff team. It doesn't mean they're not talented. It's just two teams lost, them and Hedgesville. Spring Mills for us was fifth. So the next dis- logical decision is to drop them one spot. Hedgesville falling from two to four, I think, is a fair assessment for the Eagles as well. So I stand by our rankings. No, I think where the biggest arguments in the rankings have been in the contingency is the Hedgesville dropped to four and the Spring Mills dropped to six. And for the both of those, I would say the reason why Hedgesville is not at the bottom, yes, you could say they got blown out by Wheeling Park, but you also have to wait that Wheeling Park loss. That's a, that's a significant team in AAA. That's a team that is very much in the conversation of being in that can contend and can go after a state championship. And with Hedgesville, maybe at, when we said that during the show, if they beat Wheeling Park, I, that's a potential 9-1 and one season, I think, for Hedgesville, if they're that good. It shows us maybe they're not that good just yet, and they got to gel a little bit. I'm concerned, is it more of – Maybe this team has to piece some things together. We've seen the rise of DeMonte Martin. We've seen the transfer of Gavin Young. We've seen the transfer of Aiden Fleming. Is it kind of the pieces need to start gelling a little bit together? Because you could bring a lot of great players into one space, but they can need them to gel together and play together is a whole different story. We've seen super teams built in the NBA so many times, and how many times have they failed because the players just don't gel together? How many games that Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant play in Brooklyn? Like 20-some because they couldn't stay healthy and they couldn't gel together. That's the concern, I think, for Hedgesville right now. Can they piece it together? The offense looked absolutely putrid in the, against Wheeling Park. They need to piece that together and figure that out for those guys because you got to get the ball into DeMonte Martin's hands, into Gavin Young's hands. Those guys are playmakers, and you got to find a way to do that. So if they're able to do that against Kaiser and show us why they're that team that we ranked at number two, then we can maybe raise them up once again after a couple dominant showings. On the Spring Mills side, I think, again, that you have nothing to – scratch at for your loss against Jefferson that's a very competitive game it was really tough to rank them six just because they showed so much in that contest but for Spring Mills sake they got to show that they can win these EPAC games that get close if they can then they're going to shoot up in these rankings if not they're going to sit between five and six the entire year in Washington's case I'm interested to see how they're going to progress there's a real chance this team could start three and one four and oh with yep. their schedule and how it's placed up. If they go through that and they can show maybe they can grab a couple wins in EPAC play, well, Terry Ray's introduced himself pretty nicely to the <laughs> EPAC if that's the case. But for those four through six teams, I think one through three, there's really no debate at this point. Four through six, you could probably mix and match those from where you want them, but that's where things stand for us anyway. Hey, and if you want the uh, rankings to change for your team, win. You win. Easy Power enough, rankings right? get to move around a little bit, but you can check them out over on our Twitter page at EP Sports Network. We'll get to this break a little bit early. We'll come back. We'll get Parker's picks, and then we'll uh, talk about that Washington game a little bit. Because, like you said, uh, welcome to the EPAC, Terry Ray, with a big time Week One win, and we'll get to that after the break on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Icewinner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. You can text us 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it never fails. Never failed once. 
fellas, we came close to going for the what is that honey peach? Yeah, yeah, we came close to the honey peach. The over golden the bottle. The, we came close to the golden bottle over the weekend. <laughs> God, we were very... that needs to be a shirt yeah, immediately. Let's, let's relax. Parker's pick. <laughs> Parker's picks in the golden bottle. The golden bottle. <laughs> it's it, if we get like one of those bottles, you have to like open it up like one of those message in a bottle. I things. got one. That, we oh, can do man. that. Could you imagine if like we did a live thing, like send it out to sea, and somebody would be able to do it? Put it on, uh, <laughs> throw it into the Opecan. Oh my happened. gosh! But the reason saying is that the Notre Dame and Navy game saved me because it, that game was dangerously close of going over the over solely because of Notre Dame. I think the final point total was forty-five points, so the over/under was forty-eight and a half, and we took the under. So that one saved us for the lock of the day over the weekend. UTEP unable to beat Jacksonville State. Congratulations to the Gamecocks, by the way. First ever FBS win in program history. Rich Rodriguez back in FBS gets his first win. One carry, one yard. Gerard Bowie, come on. There you go. And Gerard Bowie getting his first FBS win as well. But as well as Vanderbilt, I picked them covering the spread. They were not able to cover the spread as they got into a little bit of a close one with Hawaii. 35 to 28, the final on that one. Full baseball slate for the Monday Thursday, I believe, is when college football really is going to get back into full gear. I and think. Saturday is when WVU wins by two touchdowns. And I Shepard so. wins by three touchdowns. Oh. There you go. Love it. More like six. <laughs> Let Lay it on. And then we got, uh, yeah, baseball for today. We got the <laughs> Orioles within. I, I think I malfunctioned there for a second. Yeah. But yeah, we're, <laughs> we're jumping in and out. Of <laughs> the Orioles get the win. That's today's lock of the day. They're playing the uh, Chicago White Sox. They had a pretty good the, – the Chicago's really dominated this series against Baltimore, too. They had a really good performance with Mike Clevenger yesterday. He had a, he had 10 strikeouts. But I think this is a game where the Orioles are able to take this one back, get back on track, and things get better for them. And hopefully, knock on wood, Felix Batista gets okay pretty soon. It's not anything supremely serious with his UCL going on. But I'm taking the O's with the win today for today's lock. I'm going with Texas to get the win over New York as well. I think with the Rangers, they're pitching John Gray today. The Mets, I don't really trust so well. And I heard like a sneaky report that they're maybe looking to trade Pete Alonso in the offseason. So the Mets are gearing up for the future. They're trying to unload as much as they can. I think the Rangers get the win over the Mets in that case. And I got the Mariners covering the run line against the the Oakland A's. And how about those Seattle Mariners? They are leading the American League West now. And, playing great ball. And one time they were fourth in the division. They've been playing fantastic baseball. I knew this team was capable of it. Now they're finally showing it towards the end of the year and getting hot at the right time. I think they beat the A's and not only beat the A's, but they covered the run line spread of one and a half as well. So O's win is today's lock. The Rangers with the win. Mariners cover the run line against the A's. Don't always get in touch with us. Text us 304-263-4321. Tweet us at EP Sports Network. Especially text us if Parker's making you uh, win a couple bucks here and there. It's always my favorite things. If Parker runs into somebody that uh, recognizes him from the show and he goes, hey, have I won you any money? And then they quickly change the conversation and talk about <laughs> something else uh, with the show. But you can text us 304-263-4321. Uh, one of the only games we haven't talked about yet in the EPAC was Washington. And as we uh, briefly mentioned before that last break, welcome to the EPAC. Terry Ray, a 49-6 to win over Page County. And I mean, no disrespect with this question, but is this the most points a Washington football team has ever scored in a game? 49 <laughs> points? I mean, uh, Terry Ray said he was going to go out there and let these athletes do their thing. And it certainly looked like they did against Page County this week. Yeah, they did. And, 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 and what's interesting is it looked like there were good highlights from both quarterbacks that played, but went, like we said, uh, set a record for uh, touchdowns and, uh, for Washington. Uh, they scored 74 points in a game last year against Parkview Sterling. I remember that game. Oh, okay. uh, So it's not a number that they've accomplished very often. That would be their second highest scoring game in a pretty long time as I go back and look at the uh, – the history since 2017. It's the second highest hmm. scoring game that Washington's had since 2017. 
Um, but Went looked really good throwing the ball. Uh, Javon Jones, like we said, six receptions, 159 yards, and three touchdowns is a great stat line. I'm excited to hear you know a more specific breakdown when we're joined by Coach Ray tomorrow about Brock Meadows, about the big boys up front, because it sounded like he gave his quarterback some clean pockets. And when you've got an underclassman and you can give him time, um, that makes them a lot more dangerous. They've got a very winnable game this week against TJ, and then you know they start to get very tested on their schedule in the coming days. Uh, so they did everything right. Their biggest test, and I don't want them to overlook Thomas Jefferson. Don't get me wrong, because they, you know. But then you've got Frankfurt after that, which will be a huge, huge statement. And then you've got a, a John Marshall team. That while they're down, always have really good numbers and really good size for AAA. So we'll know a lot more about Washington over the next three games. Um, if they're two and two, then I think it's promising. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, to start the year, including mm-hmm. the win that they got week one. If they if they win one of their next three games, I think they're promising. Two of their next three, then we're looking at them being on the outside, looking into the playoff picture. If they start three and zero, then they're a playoff team. I mean, because they'll be four and zero at that point, and then only have to win a game or two to get into the postseason. So you know, you want a coach to to come in, put up big numbers, be exciting, be fun to play for, and and he's t- checking all of the boxes early right now. And it's a good time to be a patriot, and that's a a, a a fan base that's that's starved for competition. Our most exciting game last year, period, might have been the Washington Martinsburg girls basketball yeah. regional final. Yep. When that t- that organization or that community gets behind Washington athletics, things can get really fun, and I hope they get behind this football team. And a big takeaway too, I'm I'm really excited and happy for Coach Reagan and that opportunity as well as he endured a really rough season last year at Berkeley Springs, inheriting what was given to him at Washington and turning that into a big victory for the Patriots and a chance to really change things and get things back on the right track for Washington. I I'm really excited to see how they play against Frankfurt on uh, September the eighth. I think that's going to be kind of our telltale sign of whether Washington is going to be a team that could compete for a playoff spot or whether they're going to be a team that's going to be hunting for around four wins or maybe three wins throughout the entire year. I mean, I, that's going to be a fun game to look at. You look they, deeper down the schedule. The Spring Mills games could be fun. The Hedgesville game could be fun. And the Musselman game or the Jefferson game could be really fun too, especially towards the end of the year against Jefferson, a team that's probably going to try and at that point in the season potentially fighting for a home playoff game. Washington could play spoiler. That could be for a playoff spot if things fall their way. There's a lot of optimism around Charlestown and Washington County right now for the Patriots, which is very exciting to see. It's only week one, so don't – don't call it today saying the Patriots are making the playoffs, but there's a lot of optimism, a lot of excitement for that team, and I'm really, ha- again, happy for Coach Ray getting that as well. Yeah, it's a big-time win, and of course we'll get to uh, talk with Coach Ray tomorrow right here on WPM and WCST on Panhandle Sports Live, and we didn't really get to talk about that Musselman game yet either because Handley, well, was handling them there uh, for a majority of that game, but then Eli Fleming and uh, that Musselman-Appman team, I mean, some of the highlights I saw from Fleming uh, over the weekend were incredible. Some of the throws he was making in duress, running around, just kind of gunslinging it out there. And they end up getting a big week one win, 44-28. to 28. And I think that's a, a good uh, momentum starter for the Appleman this year. Absolutely. Got a pick six from Logan Shelton in that game as well. They were down 21-7, come back to win it 44-28. So they dominate the second half. Fleming made all kinds of throws. He took shots down the field. He fit it in tight windows, timing routes, throwing off platforms, staying in the pocket. He also scrambled, had some really impressive-looking runs as well. He's getting good rapport. You need that burner in your in your offense to take the top off the defense. That looks like it's beard. You need the possession guy underneath 
Uh, and, and for them, I think that's Miller. And then you've got Shelton that it's got that number one capability to just eat up six or seven or eight targets a game. Wollaston is also still getting better every week. Is it, we, we know how good he is defensively, but offensively he's going to keep getting better as the season goes on. So that's another weapon they're going to be able to turn loose. And a couple of their running backs, I believe it's Sanders. Uh, forgive me, the, there was a really good freshman runner for him last year. He had some really good runs in this game. Uh, to go along with uh, their returners and Haynes, and, and again, what Fleming was able to do with his legs. So yeah, Musselman is a, a muscle. Musselman's a bona fide playoff team. Yeah. I think right now, them and Martinsburg are the two guys that I'd stamp. And Jefferson is one good performance, and hopefully, we'll see it this Thursday away from Sharando from taking three of those spots already, which makes it you know a dogfight for the final spot. Or hopefully, we'll have five. But like we said, maybe potentially five playoff teams from the EPAC. But yeah, I mean, Fleming made just about every throw. Um, imaginable in that game against Hanley, and that's just week one. And once he grows and matures with this offense, he's going to get even better too. So, I mean, there's a ton of talent mm-hmm. in the Eastern Panhandle this year. Well, Coach Thomas said it as well as we were talking to him before the season that this arguably is the deepest wide receiver core he's ever had at Wasselman, and that showed against Hanley this past week. Eli Fleming, again, passed the eye test. I think he looked fantastic. There's real optimism once again around Enwood for this team to be really successful again. And I guess later down in the season, we'll have an idea of where maybe Musselman stands, maybe a hiccup against Hanley, but you look at them mounting that comeback down by 14 at one point, and you're able to beat that team by 10. I think later down the line, we'll get a real idea of where Musselman stands because, again, they have a gauntlet of a schedule, guys. They got to get through going at Pony Lewis and going to play at Morgantown. There's all sorts of tough games that Musselman has to play. And they were on the right side of those games a lot last year. Can they do it again? I think is the big question we have to ask for Musselman. Well, there you go. There's your wrap-up of week one of West Virginia high school football, especially here in the Eastern Panhandle. If you got any thoughts, you can text us, 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. Head over to our Twitter page and check out those week two rankings. You can give your thoughts in the comments below. Uh, let's... Quickly talk about other news from over the weekend uh, in revolving panhandle football and things. Got a couple of Shepherd football uh, players or past football players <clears throat> trying to make a name for themselves, trying to make a roster in the NFL. And it looks like at least one of them for sure has uh, made their roster. And he seems like he's become the darling of the NFL. Tyson Bajan uh, with the, I guess, cutting of PJ Walker. Uh, well, it looks like he's got that QB two position locked up. So uh, congratulations to Tyson. First of all, it's been so much fun to watch him playing uh, up in the pros and playing so well. And I think this is well-deserved because he certainly won that job uh, with his performances, at least that we could have, that we all saw uh, in the preseason games. Yeah. And we were wondering whether or not they take the risk and, you know, move on from PJ Walker, who looked awful and mm-hmm. Nathan Peterman, who had a couple of good throws in the preseason, but also wasn't great. I mean, Tyson Bajan was head and shoulders better than those two guys in the in his body of work so i'm glad he was able to earn that spot joey fisher is really up in the air right now it's hard to judge linemen that one we're just going to have to wait and see as far as the bucks are concerned with ronnie brown rashad white chase edmonds and Keyshawn vaughn are going to make that team and sean tucker's been getting a lot of first team reps which hurts ronnie so then it comes down to patrick laird if they want to keep ronnie and have five running backs on the roster they could but if he gets cut, I think he becomes a desirable free agent for another team. Again, Bajan should make it. 
Ronnie Brown should make a practice squad, mm -hmm. and Joey Fisher is still up in the air. But congratulations to Tyson. He earned that. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that in my mind. And he was one of the most efficient quarterbacks. He had one bad throw, that interception. Yep. Showed off his legs, had some fantastic timing routes, You know, showed off just enough arm strength. He earned that spot with the Chicago Bears, and he should be their true backup going into the season. He's showing everybody what we already knew about Tyson Bajan. He's done it every time. He's been doubted somewhere. He proves the doubters wrong, and it, he does it once again now on a national stage in Chicago. It's it's a story that could be written in a book and made a movie out of. It's fan he's already got three documentaries about. I know. I make another one at this rate. We <laughs> might as well. It's it's fantastic work. I can't be more proud of Tyson and what he's accomplished. It's it's really cool to see now him being a backup for the Chicago Bears. And you mentioned Ronnie. I think there's a good chance Ronnie gets cut and brought back on Tampa's practice squad. I think they really like him over that way. I've been hearing in Tampa's camp that they like his energy and, and he goes he gives 100% on every single play, which they really like over there and like you mentioned, I I'm not too sure what's going to happen with Joey Fisher. I think either it's a practice squad for Joey or it's he barely makes the cut for the 49ers roster. It's one of the two. But again, uh, all three of these guys performing well in the pros right now. Can't be more excited. And it puts a really good stamp on Shepard Rams football across the entire nation, being a spot where you can play Division Two and then go play in the NFL. Absolutely. Congratulations, all three of them. I mean, hey, that's one thing that nobody can ever take away from them. They're NFL football players. And Tyson may have scored touchdowns. That had to be so cool. My goodness. And he did a little... Uh, did he call it a Lambo leap still if it's in Chicago? Did a, uh, shoulder, shoulder field, field leap. Yeah. Shoulder, yeah, shoulder field leap. Yeah. But uh, if Miss A's show, Dave, listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panado News Network Facebook and Spotify page. We got Coach Terry Ray, Washington head coach Terry Ray, the 1 0 Patriots head coach Terry Ray coming on the show tomorrow. Uh, for Parker and Luke, I'm Jordan. Panhandle Live is next. Have a good one. We will talk to you tomorrow. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.